there. This is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love to talk to creative people. And today my guest is Leonard Hyman. He's the host and story producer for a stage show here in LA called Mortified. It's a brand that has been around for a number of years. And it's a lot of people reading from their diaries or sharing things from when they were kids that they created that gives you that mortified feeling. And uh, Leonard has performed in a lot of Mortified shows and also done podcasts and videos around Mortified. And now he's the host of the LA show, which I got to see the last one they did several months ago because my friend Brett Friedman performed in it and was hilarious um, telling this crazy story about how his fish kept dying and crushes that he had and all the, all the teen angst you could ask for. So after the show, I was able to connect with Leonard and we're doing this podcast. So before we get to that, though, I want to remind you that this podcast, Dennis Anyone, is brought to you by Charmin. Charmin for all... No, it's not. I don't have any sponsors. It's just me. It's me, but I love to do it. And there are two ways you can support the show if you like it. You can go to DennisAnyone.net and contribute a tip to my virtual tip jar. Help me cover my expenses. Or you could become a subscriber to DNR Studios. I'm part of a group of shows under the Derek and Romaine banner. And for a monthly subscription fee, you get my show early and you get all these other terrific shows. And you can learn about that at DNRStudios.com. All right, that's enough of the plugs. Here now is the interview with Leonard Hyman from Mortify. Joining me now via Zoom from glorious Santa Monica, California, it's Leonard Hyman. He is the host and story producer of the Mortified Stage Show. I love it, and I'm so happy you're here on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Dennis. I'm excited to be here. Well, you have a show coming up um, September 23rd here in L.A. at Dynasty Typewriter, which has become like the coolest venue in the city, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah. So for people that haven't heard of Mortify, how would you describe it? It's basically um, people read the embarrassing things or share the embarrassing things that they created before the age of 18 that they never intended to be uh, comedy for a room full of strangers. So that's diaries, poetry, love letters, lyrics, home movies, whatever it is that they created um, as kids. But uh Shown, shared with adults to uh, to laugh at, basically. That's the show. Now, I, f- I feel like it's been around for over 20 years. The, it started maybe as a book or a, sh- a show that became a book, and, and it's had these different incarnations. So it started as a uh, um, the founder, Dave, uh, read a um, love letter that he wrote that he kind of found, and it was absolutely mortifying to him. Right. And... Uh, he read it just at an open mic night and uh, people laughed and he just had an idea that he might be onto something. I got involved um, about uh, 15 years ago. Um, and uh, I remember I first found out about Mortified. I was at one of those like Hollywood industry mixer things that yeah. are always soulless and horrible and I generally hate them and avoid them. But I was at one and a um, woman started talking about like her new favorite thing was the show Mortified. And um, I am somebody who kept a diary for years of my life, like basically from seventh grade to now. And so um, I, and I've been lugging these journals around and like just never really knew why or what to do with them. And so when she told me about this show Mortified, I just had to see it. Then when I saw it, I loved it. And like that first show just went up to one of the, uh, uh, one of the, I think it was Dave, the the host, um, to tell him I had journals and I wanted to do this. And so that's how I initially got involved and kind of just over the years, um, I've been brought back and they, you know, kind of, since I have so many diaries, we've done different pieces with them from different parts of my life. And then I got involved with um, story producing a few years after that, kind of helping other people sift through their stuff. And um, most recently, when the L.A. show kind of relaunched uh, after the pandemic, um, I'm, I'm now hosting the show as well. Well, I went to see my friend Brett Friedman in a recent show. Maybe it was your last show. And he, I mean, he's always talked about his diaries and sometimes he, he posts things on Instagram of them and they're hilarious. You put in a fair amount of effort on that process, working with the performers to craft their pieces. Is that right? 
That's right. Yeah, no, Brett's piece was a joy to work on. It was right. so much fun. And uh, he's so funny and he had just really great material. He crushed. And, uh, I was so proud of him because he's, you know, he's <laughs> he's naturally outgoing, but he's not a performer like an actor or anything. He just mm-hmm. likes doing things like this. And I was so happy to see him shine like that. But yeah, it was great. The, my work as a story producer is kind of exactly that. It's sort of helping people sift through their stuff. Um, what I've found doing this for a number of years is the stuff that people bring to us um, that they think is the funniest thing right. is not the funniest thing. Like they, um, you know, they may have some wacky story about their first date, but like actually what's really funny is how anxious they were before the date or like how they had a freak out the next day or whatever it is. And so kind of um, sifting through that material, kind of encouraging them to dig deeper and find what's genuinely mortifying is, uh, um, and yeah, is is what I do. And it's uh, honestly such a, I feel so lucky to have people um, willing to share their diaries and, you know, all of this private stuff with me. Um, I enjoy it a lot. And so kind of what I uh, think about when putting together a mortified piece is kind of, we start with this kid who has just some wacky idea about like how to be cool. Right. right? And sort of steadily execute that plan and it completely backfires. Right. And, they learn something else from the experience. Right, and how seriously we take things. Um, what was the first piece that you did from your diary? What was it about the first time you performed? Do you remember? Yeah, uh, yeah the first piece I did was actually um, about a crush I had on a girl. This was in seventh grade um, before I knew that I was gay. But... Um, uh, and I just sort of had this very like love hate thing. Like, you know, my diary would be about how crazy I was about her. And then the next day would be about how I hated her and she was a complete bitch. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was funny, but, um, the, uh, um, the, after that we did a piece, um, about my, uh, first girlfriend and how that relationship did not go well because I just <laughs> clearly was not that into her. Not and into the cards, yeah. Not not in there. And um, yeah, exactly. And you know, meanwhile, I was looking at gay porn on the internet, and you know, not really sure why. And so uh, um, that was that was my second piece, which actually I've performed a bunch of times since then. That's one of your greatest hits. It's like uh, it's like the. <laughs> I will always love you of your repertoire. Um, when you perform them, did you ever feel genuinely mortified? Like, I get what this is. It's going to be fun. And then once you start reading it, did you ever feel like, oh, my gosh. Did it sneak up on you how it felt to be saying those things, telling those stories? Every time. It sneaks up on you. Yeah. It, it really does. And it's one of those things where um, I uh, – um, <laughs> Like, leading up to the show, like, you know, kind of the day of the show, I'm fine. I'm excited. It's all good. But, like, that five minutes before I walk on stage, I have that kind of a freak out that I know I've had every time, which is like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to be bearing my soul to these people. Um, Because, you know, even though it's funny, I'm still that kid, you know? Like, I'm still that kid who didn't get the, you know, why his relationship with his girlfriend was going so sour, you know, and kind of having that. Um, uh, but but the reality, I think, of the show is that, like, that anxiety is part of what makes the show fun to watch. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what it is. When you kept your diaries, what kind of books were they? Were they, did you have a, like, I have to have this kind of diary and I use this kind of pen, like, how did you they do were it? All the, they were all the like standard mead uh, marble composition books. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, kind of basic, but they were yeah, they were my go-to. And College you, so you have like scores of them at this point. Yes, yes, I have. I mean, because I 
I, I I'm not as diligent these days, but I do still keep a diary. Right. And so I uh, yeah, I, I probably like fifty books. I don't even know how many. It's way too many. What are the themes that you see coming up again and again when you work with people on their stories? I'm sure there's a lot of thoughts about their hair, how their hair is and how they're doing with it. Crushes, sex, puberty. Like yeah. what are the things that come up over and over? You know, it's it's all of those things. It's You know, it, to be honest, like the themes that come up are kind of what you would expect. Right. Like I have a crush on this boy. I have uh you know, I want to be cool. I want to look cool. I want to, um, uh, like kind of the, the, um, all of those things are kind of standard, but like the people approach them in these just sort of like really confused, idiotic ways. Right. And that's kind of, I think where the, uh, comedy comes from uh you know thinking that if i do my hair like this celebrity i'm going to be cool right and the reality is you, you just look like a poser who got a bad haircut you right know, like that and it's actually. like the details that make them special like the quirky individual <laughs> sort of details um yeah like yeah absolutely like uh like in brett's piece for example you know pretty standard like wanting to be cool kind of runs throughout and like that's his um you know excitement about like pop culture and things like that but the fish dying throughout his piece right spoiler, he kept but, getting new fish and they kept dying and it was like this running like b story in his mm-hmm. story in his piece and that was mm-hmm. like because every time he started talking about another fish, the audience was like that fish is gonna die any second like, <laughs> yeah, yeah it became kind of part of the thing um, yeah, I like that the people that you get aren't always like performers. They're not all stand-up comedy people or actors or stuff like that. They're just people that happen to have these diaries. And what's it like to work with some of the people that that aren't used to being up on stage like that? Uh, it's so much fun because yeah, we are a show. I mean, we we have chapters in a lot of different cities, right? And so, um, especially in other cities, like nobody is there as a performer. You know what I mean? They all have uh, jobs and, you know, they're not aspiring actors or comedians or writers right. or what have. They're generally just everyday people. And of course we get a lot of those folks here in LA as well. And uh, I, I just find that like a lot of people sort of find this, uh, there's almost like a, a little bit of a reckoning with who they are kind of going through the process of like really looking at like what's embarrassing to them and then being willing to put themselves out there uh, for people to laugh at. Um, I think, uh, you know, we've had some performers come back to us after the show and just tell us it was almost like therapy, like, you know, just kind of really kind of confronting something that uh, was mortifying to them. And of course, that's not the goal of the show. The goal is not to be therapeutic. The goal of the show is to be a like funny comedy show. Right. But it is kind of really rewarding to kind of get that feedback uh, from folks um, who go through the, you know, put together a piece with us. Has there ever been a story that was just too mortifying or too dark or too like, mm, we can't. Like it's rich and interesting and specific, but you're like, mm, it's too whatever. That's a good question. Um, one of my uh, favorite mortifying, so this is not an answer to your question. Right, no, whatever, whatever this prompts is good. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite uh, mortified pieces, and I wish I could remember who the specific performer is, but um, is uh, this woman talking about her crush on her, like, I don't know, sophomore year um, uh, English teacher or something like that. And, um, you know, she just has diary after diary. I'm like, oh my gosh, my, you know, Mr. Davis is the best teacher ever. Like, he's so amazing, blah, blah, blah. And then um, she has an entry where she's like, Oh my gosh, diary, best day ever. You won't believe what happened. So, you know, my teacher asked me to stay after class and then he kissed me. And you're like, oh, oh like, right. So 
Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's a so dream hard. come true, and it's the most wrong, horrible thing that could happen. Yeah. And right, exactly. And like the audience is sort of like on the one hand laughing at how excited this girl is, but on the other hand, really shocked and horrified. Yeah. And I think like um there's kind of uh room for like a lot of different stories in Mortified. Yeah. So I can think of one that like is too mortifying offhand, but like, you know, there is kind of like unexpected space for people that kind of share really dark things sometimes. Well, also they're, they were never meant for audience consumption. So they're honest. Like that's what it is, you know? And that's, what's interesting about it is that through that lens, she was thrilled. It was the best, best day ever. Right. Um, what is hearing these kind of stories as a group, as much as you have, what is it brought to you? Like, what do you, what, what does it mean to you to have, to have heard these? Or how has it sort of affected you to be thinking about these years in different people's lives? You know, one of the lines that we end every show with is, uh, we are freaks and we are fragile, but yeah. we all survived. Right. And it's it's a tagline for the show. And like I've heard it, you know, hundreds of times because I've been in the show hundreds of times or seen the show hundreds of times. But I I think there is, you know, and it's not a funny line by itself. It's, you know, kind of a um but it's I think really true, really poignant, and kind of knowing that everybody has um kind of something in their, um, you know, some book or something there that like is, is underneath the surface, I think is just really um, good to know in terms of like the way I engage with people. Like, yeah, you have maybe a little more empathy, a little more compassion. Um, yeah. Everybody was a horny teenager at one point. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I listened to some of your clips of your performances. Um, there was one where you you were confused about the vagina and how many holes were going <laughs> on there, which is a conversation I've had with friends as an adult. So you're not alone in that. But then you talk about having crushes. And uh, I interviewed my last guest on this podcast was a filmmaker named Sav Rogers, who's a trans man. But mm-hmm. the people in his world knew he was queer before he did. And you kind of have a story like that on one of the podcasts where everyone's calling you this and you're like, wait, what? Like, right? And I think that's a very poignant thing to go through for, for, for a LGBTQ person, you know, where of everyone's, it's not true of everybody, but sometimes people are onto you before you've put it together yourself. And you're working that out in real time in these diaries. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I mean, I definitely have seen the um we do have i would say like more uh, lgbt uh q performers than i think you know would necessarily represent the population of la but i think that's because they do have a lot of really poignant stories and i think they also like have uh a lot of working out for themselves to yeah. do like, you know, diaries and, and journals or, or whatever, poetry, lyrics, whatever it is that, like, you create privately is a good way to kind of work out that space for yourself, even though at the same time, like, uh, like you're right, like, in my case, my friends knew before I did. And, you know, I'm not surprised at all. And, like, even with my uh, diaries, I think... Um, one of my pieces, I talk about my, this is like in junior high, my friend Josh <clears throat> uh, was the one who like first showed me gay porn. And right. uh, he was the one who like, n- at the time, of course, the way he, he was like, it's not that I'm interested. It's just that I'm curious what women look at. Right. right. Like the way he framed it. Right. And um, uh for years afterwards, um, he insisted that he was straight, like as an adult and, and right. so on. But then, of course, he eventually came out, right? right? Like, he's the one who uh, shared that stuff with me. And, and so, I don't know, there is kind of a funny, um, uh, th- I mean, that's kind of another thing I think about Mortified is that we recognize the kind of funny 
freedoms that we have as kids. On the one hand, like, you know, we feel very constrained, I think, by doing what's cool and doing, you know, not wanting to stand out and not wanting our hair to be, you know, what it is. But at the same time, like in our group of friends, we're still exploring. And so, you know, hey, do you want to try a Ouija board or do you want to try like looking at gay porn? And there's kind of a interesting like freedom. Yeah, I think. In in one of your clips, you talk about working on a novel and you kept putting it off and then you're like, um, I wrote this line down. I'd like to finish my novel before I commit suicide, <laughs> which is probably very earnest at the time. But I just think, you know what? I've thought that myself many times. Um, did you ever, what's happening with your book? Did you ever finish it? This was when you were quite young. Yes. Um, yes. Actually, so that's, that's the uh, example of something where I thought what would be funny and mortifying and embarrassing was the novel. Like I actually came to the producers and I was like, I wrote this uh, like 50,000 word novel. Like it was not a... Like the novel itself you thought would be possible. I thought it would be embarrassing because it was really just kind of pathetic. It was just, I mean, a not so thinly veiled version of myself. It was just this uh, sad high schooler. But um, the story producer I worked with read it. God bless him. I think he's the only person who ever has. And... um, uh, thought ironically thought it was just almost a little too well written to right. be immortified. And what was actually funnier were the diaries that I was writing around the time that I was writing the novel. Right, yeah. but you were serious. You were doing it. It was it was happening. I was serious. I was doing it. I it was happening. Um, it was terrible. So I don't <laughs> think it was a uh, rewrite. But yeah, I was doing it. Well, I just remember growing up, we often do these things where I'm going to be like this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do push-ups every day. I'm going to, like, we, we, we're constantly trying to, like, mold ourselves into something cool and successful and popular or whatever. Like, our little, our little reminders to ourselves, right? And a lot of the times those go into to diaries. Um, I never kept a diary consistently, but a couple of years ago, I had this app called One Second Every Day where I'd take a second of video sometimes multiple seconds and it strings them all together and I can look back and remember what I did. And I started writing, there's like a place for notes and I started doing a little diary, kind of like a gratitude journal, but I've been doing this for a few years, but I mm-hmm. never go back and look at them, but I'm glad oh. I do it. So you, as somebody that's kept a diary for so long, do you ever, do you go back and look at them apart from for mortified or is it just the ritual of doing it? Cause I'm committed to this. I like it. It's meaningful to me, but I don't go back and look at them that much. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's like for the best, but I am somebody who wallows. Like I am somebody who slithers. <laughs> that might be the pull quote for this episode. I am somebody that wallows. So you'll go back and look. Yeah, cool. I do. And I mean, like I, I do it. Uh, I, I, I make a point of doing it annually, like looking back at the last year. Right. That's good. Kind of, probably you did the work. You might as well look at it. I just find that I don't that much considering I'm doing it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know which is healthier. I don't know right. which is kind of. Yeah, I don't know which is healthier. But I, um, uh, yeah, the the process of like I do, and I do sometimes look back because I just um, I want to know what my headspace was like. Right, certain parts of my life. Like, I mean, I had uh, actually to give you a concrete example is like. Um, I uh, met my husband like about six years ago. Right. And um, at the time I would not say that I was looking for a serious relationship. And I, um, but I like went back to my diaries just to kind of like years later after he and I had been dating seriously for a few years, yeah. just because I was kind of curious, like what, what my headspace was and elite that the year leading up to it. And it was just really interesting to me that I was um, listless, I would say. Like, I was just kind of not really being, like, uh, you know, pursuing anything specific. I was just kind of doing this thing or that thing without really any intention or, you know, commitment to it. And then, you know, years later, I was suddenly 
very committed to him and right. our relationship and kind of, and so it's just kind of helpful to me to see growth right. sometimes. Yeah. I just went to a gay wedding last weekend and they wrote their own vows. And I think if you were going to do something like that, to go back and look at that would be interesting to remember what you were feeling, but they were very like, Oh my gosh, I met the guy like, uh, which is not your, your story. Like they were like, dear diary. I met my husband. Like one of them had one of those stories of like, see, that's the man I'm going to marry. Cause you always hear those stories, right? I'm just going to start saying that more often anywhere. And just maybe one of them will manifest. Right. Yeah. Well, actually I, I, uh, at our wedding, I, I read the diary entry, like, from the day after meeting. Like, wow. Like, what kind yeah. of things did it say? Oh, okay. It was, uh, when, I might have it somewhere. If you oh, yeah. Start, oh, well, but, we'll pause. We'll pause if you okay. feel comfortable sharing any of it. I mean, that, that is the mortified way. Oh, yeah, I do have it. I do have it. Share a little bit. Okay. We're getting All a little right. command mortified performance. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not that funny. It's more, you know, heartfelt. Yes, that's what we love. All right, all right, all right. It so, doesn't all have to be dead fish dying in an aquarium. <laughs> I mean, that's what we go for. But, yes. but sure. I uh, so May twenty first, twenty seventeen. I like Jason a lot. I felt like I was slowly coming to terms with being perpetually single. Looking forward to the parade of guys I would date and discard. <laughs> okay, that's a little funny. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who I thought I would be when right. I was like, yeah. but uh, this is... Enter Jason, who's cuter than any of those guys could be. Much smarter. Got an enviable job. Got his shit together. Lives within walking distance. Bizarrely, we even have shared interests from government technology to Sufjan Stevens. And maybe most surprisingly, he seems to like me back. With everyone I've dated, I've had the feeling they'll do for now. There was always something. He wasn't cute enough or smart enough. So I always had one eye on the door. I always hoped someone cuter or smarter or something would come along. With Jason, and it scares me to say this, I'm all in. It's hard to imagine anyone cuter or smarter coming along. Not that I'd even want that. I want Jason. I'm in deep. Oh my gosh. That is so yeah. beautiful. That was the yeah. day after you met him? It was it was that week. I don't remember. Oh yeah, no, I guess it was the 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 day or day after. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. That's amazing. Did he hear it for the first time at the wedding? Or had he heard it before? Or had you told him before? I think he had heard it before. I wow. think he had heard it. Yeah, but wild before. So, yeah. Congratulations to you two. That's beautiful. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank I just you. had a. I just went to a gay wedding last weekend, so I'm kind of all in the gay wedding or wedding general space. The people falling huh. in love, meeting the person. You know, what's become very trendy is like people saying, "I found my person." Like that feels like a turn of phrase that's very <laughs> the last couple of years, right? Um, <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, that was beautiful. I love that. Thank, Thank you for you. sharing that. It was unintentionally beautiful. Like, obviously, I was just, again, writing it for myself, right? right? Yeah. When you went back and looked at that, were you a little surprised? Yes. Because very. it's really like, it, you know, between the lines, it's like, this is the guy. Yeah, it, it does sound like, and, and I'm definitely not somebody who, like, believes in fate or like the one or you know anything like that i'm not somebody who believes in that kind of stuff but i mean i was in deep from the very first time we met and that yeah it did it did surprise me for sure can i ask yeah. where you met how'd you guys meet <laughs> grinder right on rock on <laughs> where, where, where all uh great romances start yeah, yeah. it does we we're both living in koreatown at the time and Happen to be local. So. Boom. Walking distance. I love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Hope's in LA. Yeah, for sure. You um this you don't do this as your job. You have a, a job uh in, in government, is that right? Yeah. So I'm I work in local government. I'm uh I'm an auditor. So I've I um I personally have never done mortified as a full time job. Well, I think you might have the right idea. The people that I know that 
did something else and are doing creative things on the side, I think they might have had the right strategy. As all of my <laughs> entertainment media friends were all like scrounging for lifeboats. It's it, the point is it's it's not it's not pretty. <laughs> and it's not and I see it around me a lot and I'm like, "Oh, that was the right idea, real estate school." And then you do puppetry on the side or whatever it is. So, you picked a few questions from my observation deck, so we're going to throw these out and have some fun. Um, who was your most impactful teacher? So the the one that uh, came to mind was um, in college. I had this uh, teacher named Alan. I was uh, I took an uh, Alan Rucker. He's like a um, <clears throat> uh, did a lot of like documentaries, kind of guerrilla style documentaries back in the day. And so the the class I took just as an elective was guerrilla television, um, just kind of encouraging people to like shoot video and then ask questions later and make a documentary out of it. Interesting. Um, but the, the lesson that he taught me that I was really too young to appreciate at the time, but I think may have been the smartest thing any teacher ever told me was, uh, Alan's rules for the real world. Yeah. Which were, uh, in the real world. And of course, like I've just been a student at this point, right. in the real world, uh, no one tells you what to do. No one tells you how to do it and no one cares. And like, to me, that's just so like, you know, as a, as somebody who has wanted to be creative, even as I am doing my, my like day job, knowing that like, there are no rules, no one's going to tell you, you know, what to do, how to do it. And ultimately like, it's your job to, make people care, right? Like you don't, no one is going to inherently care like, oh, Leonard's doing something. Mm, let's check that out. Like you have to make them care. Right. And you, it gives you a lot of freedom if you let go of that thing of like what people are going to think. They don't really care that much. You know, <laughs> no. they might say a yeah. bitchy thing on Facebook, but it's not, they're not, it's your dream. It's your life. Yeah. People don't care. Do your thing. I like that. Yeah. Yay for those lessons. I think they're good. Um, you also picked this one. What's your best random celebrity sighting? Elijah Wood came to Mortified one time. That's cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And um, I, I, I guess he was a, a fan of the show early right? on. And I, like he, uh, I mean, he was my celebrity crush growing up. Like he was like, I mean, he's a beautiful man, but like he was the the one that I. Um, probably pined over the most. And, uh, <laughs> I have this memory of him being on the Oscars when he was like 10 and looking, <laughs> he was like presenting with Macaulay Culkin or something. I don't know, but I was like, he's cute. I'm like, is he seeing anyone? He was 10. It was not appropriate. <laughs> but the point is he was, he looked really cute in his suit on the Oscars one year, but yeah, Elijah. Elijah. And then he came to, apparently he was a fan of the show. So there is a clip somewhere on the internet of um, him in mortified like he was not reading his stuff but every now and then we'll do like uh somebody wrote a play or wrote a screenplay or something like that and so we'll bring out actors to kind of do a reading oh cool yeah and apparently elijah wood was a fan of the show and so there is like a, a clip on youtube where he's one of the um actors reading someone else's screenplay and um he I didn't. I never got to meet him, but did get to see him at a mortified show where I performed in, and uh, I really wanted to fulfill my like, uh, um, you know, teenage heartthrob dream of uh, meeting him, but um, fortunately lost him in the crowd. Lost him in the crowd. (laughs) It's not too late. It's not too late. Keep the dream alive. It's too late. You're married. Come on. Oh, oh, you're married. Yeah, right. Okay, I got you. I got you. Um, have you ever written a fan letter or approached someone to gush? That was another one that you said you might have something to talk about. Yeah, so I, I did approach someone to gush. Um, I will not... <laughs> um, uh, I won't say who, just, just in case, but I will just say he's a Tony Award winner that I, like, love. Right. And- um, I, I, I really loved his work and, um, <clears throat> he was speaking and at a, at an event and I just, you know, I was like, pro- I was in college at the time. So I was probably like 19 or so. Right. And, um, like, you know, during the Q and a, I like 
raised my hand and, and just was like, oh my gosh, how do you make your characters so real? Like, how do you, um, uh, like, you know, how do you make them just hit you in the gut? And um, he gave me a, like a very you know, polite answer, like a, or a good answer. I don't know, like a, a good answer. To the sure, a serviceable was, answer. A serviceable answer. What, like, right. what are you going to say to a gushing nineteen-year-old? But I, um, after that, and after that, I, uh, um, of course, I was like milling around the lobby to get a, a chance to talk to this guy, and of course, he noticed me and was like, "Oh, well, you know, like, thank you for the question. Oh my gosh, I'm a big fan." Like, I was the gushing one, and he um, was like, "So, like, you know, are you are you?" you know, are you in the industry? Like, are you a student? Like, what's your deal? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a student and I'm at USC. And he was like, oh, so you must know so-and-so administrator there. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I do. I, I said I did, but of course I've never met this person in my life. But I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was like, can you, um, you know, I'm in town. I wanted to see her. Could you give her my phone number? And like wrote down his his like cell phone number, and he's like, "Here you go. Can you deliver this to her so that she gets my phone number?" And Do you course, think he, like, he was interested in her romantically? I think he might have been interested in me romantically. Oh, interesting, because, because like of course, like email existed. Right. I'm sure he had an assistant. I'm sure she had an assistant. Right. It would not have been hard to make this connection. Wow. But of course, he's this gushing kid. And he's like, hey, can you give her? And of course, like, I tell my friends about this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have his phone number. I'm the biggest fan. Like, what, what can I talk to? You know, like, and of course, all of my friends were, you know, the same goody goodies that I was who were like, well, I don't know. He asked you to give, pass on the phone number. I'm sure he just asked you to pass on the phone number. Like, there's no way you could call him. And, right. Uh, of course, like, what could have been? That's a, that's a well, what could have That's a been. what could have been. I have a theory about who it is, but I could be way off. And I won't say. <laughs> when you're not recording. Well, well, off the record, we'll do it. Okay, Tony Winner, interesting. Okay, um, you also wrote, what, what was your worst job? What was the worst job you ever had? I lived abroad for oh, that's cool. um, after college. Yeah, I was um, in Scotland for a year and a half. Nice. After, it was wonderful, yeah. I told my friends I just wanted to drink and sleep around, and that's probably mostly what I did. Um, but I uh, had a job where um, I was just a temp on call for, like, you know, whatever. Like, you know, if they needed a server, somebody wash dishes or what have you, I registered with a temp agency and they asked me like whether I had been trained on table service. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this? Like, you know, train, like it, yeah. it's not rock. Right. Yeah. Like I pick this up. I'm a smart person, but, uh, they, um, were in a pinch. And so they, I attended a wedding. Like I, I was a server at a wedding and little did I know how formal the British are about their like, table service oh like, right but like you know basically like the head waiter like gave the nod and all of us circled the table and apparently what i was supposed to do was <laughs> when he gave the second nod just everybody puts the plate down just kind of in unison right like downton abbey or something yeah or something like that and uh i did not like i did not know this and so i Put one plate down and then put the other plate down. Right. And uh, this is something that, like, still haunts me. Yeah, I'm nervous for you. I feel like this pit, speaking of mortified, like, because it's a whole thing. We've all seen, like, The Crown. Like, there's a lot of rules. Yeah. So did they, did you make it through the night or were they like, um, hang up your apron, you're out? I, I don't think I, I don't think I served meals after they were like you can just stay in the back and like fill up water glasses like they were not um they they didn't trust me to put down plates anymore yeah one and done um when you tell the stories from your diaries and mortified have people in your life people that were mentioned in them do any of them know about it have any of them ever come to see shows are you still in touch with any of them 
Like you had a oh. crush on a guy named Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, I think, yeah, a lot of them have. A lot of them have. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, it is very cool. And it's very, like, cathartic, I think, to... Um, to share these people who experience those moments in your life, but experience them differently. Yeah. And, you know, like, uh, um, uh, like I'm trying to think of a specific, um, example, like the, um, of course my friend Josh at one point, um, in, in one of the mortified pieces I have, uh, told me that, and I wrote this in my diary, that, like, if I was gay, we would never be friends anymore. Like, that would be the end of our friendship. Josh told course, you that. Josh told me that. Wow. and uh, And, you know, like I said, Josh is out now. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's out there. And so um, uh, to be able to share that and kind of uh, have it out in the open in a yeah. way that, like, you would not have a reason to talk about it. Um, except it's right now out there. It's on the table. Yeah, he must have said, wow, I'm sorry. He probably felt bad about that. Right, yeah. And we've talked about, like, I know my girlfriend Liz actually kept um, diaries around the same time. We've talked about maybe doing a he said, she said, mortified piece, but haven't haven't done that. Yeah, I love that idea. Um, In terms of, LGBTQ people, have you, in the times you've been doing Mortified, seen a difference in in terms of, as as the generations kind of start to shift, in terms of how loaded that stuff is, or how people talk about it, or how mature they are? Have you noticed a change in that, or are are the things pretty much kind of like the way they've always been? There's definitely a change. Oh, That's good. One of, uh, another Mortified performer who's been doing this show for a very long time, um, had a, um, his mother was an assistant to Liza Minnelli. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, so Will has all of these like diaries, you know, about my mom is working for this woman named Liza Minnelli. And, right. <laughs> and, um, but like has also has this amazing piece where he talks about, uh, the, um, he does a school play and apparently in the small town he was living in, uh, the school play was like a big deal such that the newspaper reviewed it. Oh, wow. Yeah. In the small town newspaper that reviewed it, they said that Will's part was played a bit too fey by Will Seymour. Wow. You can imagine for a, you know, kid who was, struggling with his sexuality or may have not even realized it at the time. Like that was hard to hear. Yeah. And also school play should not be written about in the town newspaper unless it's like, it was great. The kids did great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why did that, why did that um, person need to to say that? Yeah. Um, I think I might know who that is. Is, Did you say Will Seymour? Oh yeah. Yeah. I know him from ages ago. I haven't seen him in a long, long time, but yeah, I I know him. Yeah. Well, He's been doing Mortified for ages. You should definitely yeah. see his piece sometime. Yeah. I... And he's the perfect amount of Faye, if you ask me. The perfect <laughs> amount. But yeah, like you wouldn't you wouldn't see that today. Or, um, probably. But now, but we're, we're starting to get like some Gen Z performers yeah. now. And uh, one of our um, new performers is really, he has... Um, uh, he has this, uh, he wrote erotic fan fiction. Like that's, that was his thing. And, right on. Uh, but the, but he was writing it about biblical characters. <laughs> of course. And so, like there's no, um, uh, you know, his piece doesn't have the, uh, you know, the same, like I'm struggling with my sexuality. I have a crush on a girl. And, right. You know, he, he probably went through that. As well, I don't right. know if he has that, but like what he does have, the artifact he does have is erotic fan fiction that he wrote, which um, is is quality stuff. Solid, a grade A mortified material. Yeah, um, sure. Tell people how they can see the show or how they can learn more about Mortified generally. Uh, getmortified.com. Uh, it's got all of uh, 
the stuff there. Like if you want to check out the uh, archive of our podcast or see um, any of the shows that are, you know, like I said, we're in a bunch of different cities. So um, the uh, LA show is coming up soon in a couple of weeks, but um, you know, all across the country and we used to be all over the world. It hopefully will be again soon. Um, that'll have the links to purchase tickets for any of those shows as well. I love it. Get mortified.com. All right. This has been really fun and not at all mortifying. Um, I just have a couple more, <laughs> not nearly mortifying enough. Um, here's my final question. What has it brought to you in your life to have this outlet of mortified? Oh man, that's a, that is a million dollar question. I mean, it's been so rewarding to, uh, get people to share these private things with each other, uh, or with me. I mean, like even the people who sometimes we get people who, you know, they don't have a lot of stuff. Maybe they wrote one poem or two poems or kept a diary for a day or two. And there's not enough stuff to put on stage, but their willingness to just share that one thing with me is like such a gift. And, um, you know, I think I mentioned like just knowing that everybody, everybody you come into contact with has something, right? Like has something in their closet or, you know, in their attic that is, is kind of mortified is really wonderful. And like, finally, like I said, I'm, I'm an auditor, I'm a nerd, I'm a government analyst, but to have people that I work with come back and tell me that like just working with them was meaningful and therapeutic is not something I ever expected I would be doing. And so that's also really um, wonderful to have in my life. Well, it's been really fun to talk to you. I'm going to try to come and see the show on the 23rd. The show is very unique in that there's a catharsis that happens. There's something that's different than your average comedy show. Um, do, do you have a, a do you have your finger on what that is, or do you have a way of describing that feeling? Because it is different, right? I, I mean, I know exactly what you're referring to. It is the kind of cathartic feeling of just that comes across in every mortified piece, and I I just think there's kind of a lot of empathy that kind yeah. of comes catharsis because you know I may not have accidentally killed a lot of fish when right. I was a but I can still relate to that feeling of completely messing up in right. some bone-headed way and being so anxious and scared and you know about doing that thing. One other thing that I've realized performing in Mortified is like I said, I'm I'm still that kid who freaked out about like my roommate eating all my brownies, right? Yeah. Like that's mortified pieces that I have. And uh, there's almost like a, a certain amount of which I like identify with that. Right. And when I read it on stage and people laugh at it, my kind of knee jerk immediate reaction is to feel almost defensive, like right. kind of don't laugh at that. This is me. But when people laugh at that, I feel like I can see how much it's not me, how much I've grown and changed since I wrote that. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what a lot of people experience when they perform in Mortified. Yeah. And I think uh, people can see that kind of growth and experience when they attend the show as well. The laughter becomes like a, a salve on the, on all of these sort of embarrassing yeah. parts of our lives. So uh, you're doing God's work is my point. It's beautiful. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. This has been really fun. No, it was great. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, inviting us. And yeah, look forward to seeing you at the show. Thanks again to Leonard Hyman to learn about all things Mortified, including the Saturday, September 23rd show. Go to getmortified.com. All right, so this happened. Last weekend, Labor Day weekend, I went out of town for a friend's wedding. My hip-hop teacher and friend Benji married his fiance Paul, who's also an awesome guy. And they did a summer camp theme. So it was at this camp in the mountains by San Bernardino. And we were in bunk beds, um, in cabins. Uh, There was archery and zip lining and axe throwing, things like that. Every little camp dorm had its own theme. I think we were the American Pie band camp. 
I was in a room with three other guys, and I think I only knew one of them, and then there were eight other guys, part of our suite. You know, it was kind of down and dirty, but it ended up being really fun. Um, the weather was not great, and I and I could feel when we got there that the grooms were like, oh boy, here we go. Because um, it was foggy, and they had all these outdoor things planned, but things had to be moved and shifted around, but when the ceremony happened, it was so beautiful, and I think I cried more in that wedding than I think any wedding I'd ever been to. I don't know, maybe it's a time in my life, something, something about these guys. I just found it really moving. Um, and I sort of shifted my perspective a little bit on marriage. I think that if you meet somebody that you have that kind of a bond with, that you have to kind of honor that. And one way to do that is getting married. And uh, I don't know, I don't think everyone gets that. I don't think everyone meets that kind of person. But I do think there's something magic that happens between two people. And one way to honor that is to get married. And if you long for that and you don't have it, I think you kind of have to stay open and keep putting yourself out there. I don't think there's much you can do to make that happen. I think there's something magical that happens. And to witness it was was pretty beautiful. And um, it was the first gay wedding I went to, interestingly, that didn't feel any different than any wedding you've ever been to or that you would see in a movie or something. It just didn't, there was no edge to it that was like, well, that aunt didn't come because she's disapproves of their lifestyle. Or like There was nothing like that in the air. There were a lot of families, a lot of kids running around, a lot of queerness, and it was just all together in this beautiful place. Um, I, was, I was honored to be there. And for my gift, I gave the grooms, I'm giving the grooms a live cast, which is where I go and interview all the guests and edit it into a podcast. So I'm doing interviews the whole time. And I spoke to the grooms afterwards and it had the feeling of like, oh, this is a dream wedding for both of them. But they both sort of said that they, you know, marriage wasn't super high on their priorities coming up for whatever reason. And But they met each other and it just seemed like they had to, like it was the thing, you know? And I don't know, I, I, I'm kind of still processing it all, but it was really, really beautiful. And congrats to my friends, Benji and Paul. Also, there were two flash mobs that I was part of and I have an app on my phone and the numbers are in and I got 27% of the choreography right. Not my best flash mob performance, but I had a lot going on. I was doing interviews, I was running around. I should have studied the video more, but you know, it's a thought that counts. And the dancing generally was just a blast at the whole thing. So, and my bunk mates, they were, they were nice. Uh, there was a lot of booze in our room, which I don't drink. Um, just a table full of vodka bottles. <laughs> it was so campy. Like it was, I mean, in that, in the, in, in every sense of the term. Um, but it was um, a wedding I won't forget and, and a wonderful weekend and congrats to the guys. All right, that's enough for this week. Shout out to AJ Sousa for mixing the episodes. My theme music is by Mark Daniels for Placement Music. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.